0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. It's time for choosing for self-described conservatives. Are you Team Frodo or Team Boromir? Tony Woodleaf is Senior Executive Vice President of the State Policy Network. We discuss the new nationalist conservatives, those who view the levers of a large and powerful state as a gift to be wielded, and those remaining conservatives who view an immense state as a danger that ought to be destroyed. Tony, I think you would agree it is no bad thing to celebrate a simple life. That's right. Uh, And yet we have a growing uh, group of self-described conservatives, and I say self-described because I wouldn't necessarily describe them that way, the uh, so-called national conservatives, nationalist conservatives, conservative nationalists, and... uh, I generally don't like the uh, metaphor that takes our current political climate and uh, tries to wedge it into uh, a pop culture uh, narrative, but this one fits really well. So here we are. Uh, differentiate between Team Frodo or Team Hobbit and Team Boromir when it comes, comes to your observations from the recent National Conservative uh, Conference.
1: Sure. I, um, well, first I'll, I'll say uh, what we have in common is we, we both dislike Sauron. I mean, so we agree on the enemy, right? Which is the you know, national administrative state, the overweening power of the federal government uh, destroying our communities. Where we differ, of course, is like in the Lord of the Rings, the Frodo side, the Hobbit side, which I consider myself part of, even though I'm not a great gardener. Uh, we want to destroy that power. Right, take the ring and you know, throw it into the fire of Mount Doom and destroy it. And uh, the Boromir side, there's a lot of talk about seizing the power of the federal government and using it to reward your friends and punish your enemies. And I think it's wrapped up in a notion that um, that power can be wielded. And, and I think, you know, both from Tolkien and from our just experience observing our own government, the power can't be wielded. You know The the federal government is a mess. The people who run it can't really make it work right. So the notion that you're just going to put different people in there and get it to work the way you want seems to me to be misguided.
0: Yeah. Among my uh, several conversations with Stephanie Slade at Reason in talking about national conservatism, it is uh, interesting to note how a lot of the uh, recent converts, if you will, to this view uh, sort of do sort of sort of hand waving about how the powers of the state shall be wielded in pursuit of conservative goals uh right. like for just for a, you know a small example banning pornography or uh, making pornography difficult to access and the degree to which the state ought to be uh involved in that task well of course mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who have been working at, on this as a matter of po- or these kinds of things as a matter of policy for a long time and they don't really have a lot of good answers for that right, um, right. And, th- and, and that's just one example
1: yeah well I think it I think part of the problem is um there's not enough differentiation about the level of government and how it works so uh you know a solution that maybe could work even if you don't like it Let's say you're libertarian, you don't want to have any bans on speech or porn or anything like that. that aside, whether or not you like the policy, there's a question of whether it actually works when implemented at a local level versus a federal level. And I think they're dramatically overconfident in their ability to make policy work from the federal level when it might work at the local level, maybe uh, but but they're all focused on d c They're very much like their enemies in that regard. They see d c as the uh, the answer.
0: So what is a goal that National Conservatives, you talked about Sauron, of course, the the great evil, Um, Mm. but to the extent that National Conservatives have goals that you share, what is the most troubling in terms of the means that they wish to use to you?
1: Uh, probably and and I and to be fair, like there's a lot of diversity and disagreement among them. So I I don't want to be unfair and suggest they all agree on everything because they certainly don't. And a lot of good intentions there. So one example is a very clever idea that the Trump people were considering but couldn't get across the finish line is you've got uh, this large protection for uh, you know federal uh, appointed officials. And, and then you know, just regular employees of the federal government, you've got the civil service protections that makes it hard to come in and fire them. Now, that's predicated on the understanding that those employees are not political actors. They've been given jobs to do, right? They've been given uh, you know responsibilities to uphold across administrations. Well, this this kind of Trump effort that the natcons like, and I don't disagree with, is. Look, a lot of these people actually are political actors. They have political ideological agendas. They use their power to advance their political agendas. Therefore, they should be exposed to the same hiring and firing practices that other political appointees are exposed to. So if you push that through, if you could get that through the courts, you would have then the mandate to fire a lot of federal employees. And I, for one, like that idea. Where I differ with the natcons is they imagine there's some you know, cadre of honest, competent young people out there that they're going to turn to and appoint them for those roles. And there's just where are they? I haven't met
0: them. This is a, a, <laughs> a persistent problem for libertarians when it comes to foreign policy, yeah. uh, which is, uh, you know, what's the bench look like? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for people who find themselves perhaps seduced a bit by uh this sense that look we're done playing games let's implement serious conservative policy we must use the power of the state to not only uh achieve these ends but crush our enemies hmm. uh what do you tell people who f- would fancy themselves a more free market uh more liberal conservative if you will what do you tell them about the, the allure of, of using this power of the state to achieve those ends?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is, I mean, back to this earlier point, what bothers me about our side, the, the pro-freedom side, we'll say the conservatives, the libertarians, you know, the big tent, is we hate big government. We think it's a cancer. But unlike an oncologist who makes it his business to understand at the cellular level everything about the cancer he hates, we don't want anything to do with it and so then when you do take power you don't know what to do with it you don't know how to undo the administrative state you don't even know how to get stuff done when you're in office we lost the trump people lost probably two supreme court cases due to ineptitude that was it was simple as that if you read the cases the conservatives on the court are disgusted with the way the case was managed right and that comes down to a lack of competent experienced people so that's number one it's like if you don't know how government works you're probably not going to get the result you want when you come in there swinging your sword. Uh, and so then an example would be, you know, a lot of my conservative friends, they think, well, with all the CRT stuff and all this woke stuff, let's just pass a law. Let's make it illegal, right? Don't, don't talk about transgender stuff. Don't talk about race. Don't whatever, whatever. I've worked with education bureaucracies just a little bit at the state level. You have no idea. How these people can turn you into a pretzel without you even knowing it so thinking you're going to pass a law and that's going to stop them you're out of your mind right the only way to fix that is to smash up those districts and make them small enough that regular parents could actually run for school board and win and that's the difference one other thing caleb that i've been thinking about i haven't like pondered it greatly but what struck me and i don't want to be unkind or unfair to these folks but what struck me was there's a lot of talk about like love of homeland Patriotism and from a defensive posture. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it's okay to love your country. Why does the left not want us to love our country? That's why we're Christian nationalists. And what I kept thinking of was Wendell Berry, you know, where he talked, he, he, I think he, he won the National Humanities Award or something. And in his speech, he talked about the importance of affection for a land and its people. That if you don't have that, then no system is going to work. No rules are going to work without that inherent affection for the land and its people. And to me, there's a wide difference between affection for a specific land and and your specific people and just sort of abstract patriotism. And I think uh, there's something lacking there. I didn't see a lot of hobbits there, right? Hobbits can tell you about their land and their people and their favorite pub and that kind of thing. And this seemed more sort of a abstract love, which to me morphs too easily into hatred, right? Hatred of the other. Whereas love for something small and genuine is love for that. You defend it. But that's what animates you is the love for that, not the hatred for the for the other.
0: Tony Woodleaf is Senior Executive Vice President of the State Policy Network. We spoke last week. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.